This is an Equity Mates Media podcast. Hello, mates of Equity Mates. Or I guess that just makes you Equity Mates. Anyway, it's Bryce here. One of the most frequently asked questions we get is, where do we find information about all these stocks and, and where's a good place to start? Now, we could do a whole episode on this and we often do touch on it, but the best place to start is by signing up to our Thought Starters weekly email. Each week, we send you some cool stuff that has caught our eye during the week, as well as some more detailed articles on stocks and invested-related content. We also include Basics 101. These are articles tailored specifically for beginners to really propel you on your way. We don't spam you. I mean, we hate spam. It's once a week and there's enough stuff in there to occupy you for a full day of browsing at work. Now, Ren puts a lot of effort into finding quality articles for you guys. So if anything, just sign up so he feels the love. Head to equitymates.com and chuck in your email at the bottom of the page. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is you Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, where we will help you learn to invest in 15 minutes or less. We break down the world of investing from beginning to dividend so that you can hopefully make some returns. My name is Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you going, bro? I'm very good, Bryce. How are you? Can't complain. Can't complain. Back in Australia. Yeah, great to have you back. Thanks, mate. Two weeks in NYC, New York, and a couple of days in New Orleans, uh, so that was a nice break. Yeah. You held down the fort while I was away. Good to see. We haven't crashed and burnt. No, we haven't. Hopefully the listeners didn't even realize, you know, episodes still came out on time. Thought started still went out. Yes. Good yeah. to see. Although uh, we should say uh, for our last episode, um, our last two episodes, the Andrew Brown interview, we apologize for the quality of the audio. We know it wasn't great, mm. um, but the quality of the content we thought was good enough to keep it in, even with the poor audio, and we, we hope you guys feel the same way. Uh, yeah. We're going to look at our live interview setup, and hopefully yes. the audio quality won't be that poor again. Yes. This, ep- this show is all about the journey, and we are on the, on the journey of uh, this whole podcast thing ourselves, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> we've, uh, we've taken some learnings from it, and uh, we'll you know make sure that next time... That doesn't happen because, as you said, Ren, the content in that was great. So, uh, hopefully, people can get through it. Yeah. And if you did give up on it because of the audio, um, I would definitely recommend giving it another crack. Um, Some of the things... Every time we speak to Andrew, I feel I leave a smarter and better investor. Mm. Um, And I think some of the really practical advice that he has um, and some of the... You know, he talks us through his day at E72, how he analyzes a stock, how he keeps on top of information flow. So there's some really practical information and advice in there that I think anyone could use. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Yeah, to the point that we all, we always walk away and say, should we be investing with Andrew Brown? Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he knows what he's talking about, he that's for sure. He definitely does, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, enough looking backwards. Well, actually, yes. a little bit more looking backwards. Uh, how was your trip? Trip was epic. Yeah. Uh, yeah, pretty loose, as you would expect, I think. Went over, over with a couple of mates and uh, met one of our mates, you know, Elton from uni. So, met him over there. He lives in New York now. So, we're over there with a total of four of us and we did some pretty cool things. We went to the Book of Mormon on Broadway. You know, we went to a baseball game, saw... 
the uh, New York Yankees versus uh, National Washington. I mean Washington Nationals. <laughs> um, we went to the Comedy Cellar, um, saw some pretty funny comedians. Um, we went down to New Orleans and saw some jazz music and the infamous Bourbon Street and. Uh, yeah, had a really good time. So the weather was great. The uh, uh, the big question is though, did you go to the other infamous street, uh, Wall Street? Certainly did. Yeah, had went down to the financial district down there. Um, saw the charging bull and the little girl as well. Um, and we went down, walked on Wall Street, Broad Street. Saw uh, the New York Stock Exchange. Um, hung around there, threw a few trades down. Yeah, no. nice. <laughs> <laughs> we actually tried to, you know, get in, um, but it's impossible to get yeah, in there. Today. The security is ridiculous. Yeah. One thing, I, we were sort of sitting there, just we decided to just perk up and sit there and watch it all unfold. You know, it was around lunchtime, so there was a lot happening. And, you know, the New York Stock Exchange building is quite Im- impressive to look at it itself. Um, but we were thinking to work there like, You've got to go through what looks like so many security checkpoints and also battle the thousands of people that are tourists like out the front taking photos and all this sort of stuff. Like it'd be a nightmare to get in and out each day. So that was a an interesting part. Um, but yeah, we went down to Financial District. Um, it's also close to the 9-11 Memorial. So um, knocked it all out. Statue of Liberty as well. So it was nice down there. So I actually did a, a bit of a recording down there uh, while I was uh, sort of sitting there and it's a bit of a history on the New York Stock Exchange and also opposite the New York Stock Exchange there's uh, a building called J.P. Morgan House. Uh, for those that aren't aware, J.P. Morgan is one of the biggest investing banks in the world and so it's got uh, a history behind it. Obviously, J.P. Morgan was a man at some point um, and so I did yeah. a bit of a history on that as well. So, uh, we'll all right. Well, don't don't give anything. Yeah, don't give anything away. That uh, Bryce's tour of Wall Street and the financial district will be released. Uh, this episode's out Tuesday. Let's say on s- next Sunday. So yeah, we'll, sun- yeah, we'll Sunday the twenty fourth. Yeah. Uh, everyone, yeah. put it, mark it in your diary. Set a reminder in your phone. Bryce's <laughs> tour and history of Wall Street will be in your podcast feeds then. Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> All right, right. Well, let's let's get stuck in. So, so today we are going to do a basics 101 uh, and look at protecting the downside, protecting your portfolio when things turn south, uh, and and what it what it means and what ways uh, you can protect, uh, what ways are available for you to be able to protect your portfolio, and also what are some of the risks involved in in doing so. So, do you want to kick it off, Ren? Yeah, definitely. So let's start with so what what it is. Um, yeah. So obviously, everyone knows that the market or any the price of any asset can sometimes crash, um, and for a lot of people, it's that fear of the catastrophic event or you know just picking the wrong stock and it falling twenty percent, thirty percent. That that fear keeps people out of the markets. It shouldn't mm-hmm. because over the long term. Uh, markets trend upwards mm. and it you know being in equity markets being in the share market has been the biggest creator of wealth in the last you know century um, or couple of centuries mm. so what what this episode is about is about how you can be in the market how you can uh, access that wealth generation that equity markets create while protecting yourself 
as much as you can from that risk, from losing it all in the JFC or from picking the wrong stock and seeing it crash or any other sort of catastrophic event. I would like to add there that it doesn't necessarily also have to be a, a catastrophic event that you're protecting yourself from. Like, uh, you know, you could be just looking at an individual stock level as well and you might say that you're willing to lose 20%, say, or 10% on a stock that you purchased um, and that might come about from, you know, it, it doesn't have to necessarily come from a total market collapse or anything like that. Um, you know, you could be protecting at an individual level as well. So it's all about, this episode's all about protecting protecting your capital, which is essentially the, the main fu- function of uh, any major fund manager at, at the end of the day is to manage risk and protect their investors' capital. So Yeah, definitely. I think Warren Buffett, you know, rule number one is don't lose money. Yeah. yeah. Rule number two is rule number one, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Isn't that also Fight Club? Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Who said it first, I wonder? Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Buffett is a big Brad Pitt fan, I hear. So Actually? <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, probably. Surprising. He's a weird man. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, mate, nothing wrong with being a Brad Pitt fan. No. When would it? Yeah, I don't know. I can't anyway. see him sitting down watching Fight Club. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I could see it. But maybe back in his younger days. Yeah. Although the amount he reads, apparently he reads 500 pages a day. He probably isn't catching too many movies. They could be scripts to Fight Club. Who knows? <laughs> they could be. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So anyway, back to um, protecting your downside. So that, that's the sort of what and the why. You know, you, you want to protect yourself from risk as much as possible um now let's talk about the how i guess okay so i'll start and then so this is uh um, two ways that you can do it and this is involved in when uh you you put in the trade uh so it's done through your brokerage platform and it's um essentially putting in a stop loss um or, or otherwise known as a falling sell or you can do another thing called a trailing sell and so these are both sort of techniques that you can use to limit the percentage or dollar loss on a stock um, if it's falling or if it has risen and then and then falls again. So let's start with a, a falling sell or a stop loss. Uh, and, and this is a technique that many traders use, uh, but some long-term value investors don't really believe in, in a falling sell um, just because in their eyes, if a stock is falling uh, and you are prepared to buy it at, say, $2 and it falls to $1.50, then in their eyes, it's probably a more attractive option to buy at $1.50 rather than sell and uh, protect your losses. Would you agree with that, Ren? Yeah, I would. Let's um, let, let's just start with what they are. Okay. So, <laughs> a, fall, a falling sell essentially helps you lock in uh, or protects the amount of losses that you uh, are going to make. So, for example, let's say you buy a thousand shares in equity mates at ten dollars a unit, and you're prepared to lose, say, ten percent. Then uh, you've bought it at ten dollars, and that means you're wanting to sell out when it, if it falls down to nine dollars. And so you would put in a trigger price or a stop loss of nine dollars. And then if the price falls to that trigger point, if the market is there, then they'll sell the stocks at that amount and limit the amount that it falls further. So I guess that's the top line basic 
uh, idea of a stop loss. Essentially, it's all in the name. You're stopping any major losses. I think one thing to point out, though, is that if the price does fall too quickly, um, off uh, sometimes uh, it can fall below the trigger price too fast and it won't sell out if the market's not there to sell it out. But more often than not, that doesn't necessarily happen. So do you have anything to add to a stop loss, Ren? No, no, I think, I think you've described it pretty well. So, so that the stop loss is where you nominate a price where it, the, it will automatically sell if it falls below that price. Yeah. And then the second one that you touched on was a trailing sell. So what's the difference between a stop loss and a trailing sell? So a trailing sell is where it protects your upside and it protects the profit. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. So it's not necessarily when your stocks are falling. This is something if your stocks are going up and up and up and you want to take those profits in case they then the stocks then turns so say for example let's stick with equity mates limited you've bought you've bought a thousand shares in equity mates limited at ten dollars and it starts rising and rising and rising you can then tell this tell your brokerage or your, or the system that you you want to sell if that share price sort of falls five percent from its peak so say if it goes from ten dollars to eleven dollars and then it turns and starts to fall, it will sell at that 5% below $11. So that protects the profit that you've made between $10 and $11. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, I think, I think it does. So very simply, a stop loss is when you buy it, you nominate a price where if it falls below that price, it will automatically sell. A trailing sell is where you say, if the stock falls you know, X percent, then sell it. So... You know, if it keeps rising, then you're fine. And you know, if it's risen heaps, a stop loss wouldn't be appropriate because you'd have to keep uh, automatically adjusting it up as the price also rises up. So mm. this trailing sell just automatically follows the price going up and then we'll lock mm. in your profits by selling um, mm. uh, when it falls off a bit from its top. Say, mm. you know, you were saying 5%, but you could set it to whatever percentage you want. Yes. Yeah. So two relatively straightforward techniques that you can use uh, to prevent losing out too much on either profits or on losses. Um, you know, they're definitely techniques that um, require a bit of thought and the more advanced traders and, and investors use. Uh, as I said, some investors are hell-bent on always putting a stop loss in regardless of whether or not you know, they're a long-term investor or a trader. Others don't see any value in them whatsoever. So it's completely up to you on, on how you use them. Uh, personally, I don't have stop losses on everything. I've got stop losses on a few. Um, I don't know about you, Ren, um, well, how you you approach this. I With our brokerage, well, with the brokerage platform that I use, IG, I, I don't think I can set stop losses. Interesting. Well, either I don't know how to through IG or I can't through IG. If okay. anyone knows how to with IG, reach out to us. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I've just had a quick Google on um, and had a look at 
IG and they have a section on setting stop losses. So I'm not sure if that's an education piece or if it's them showing us how they can do it through their site. But anyway, we'll there figure it out. I'll have to um I'll have to Google that after this episode and um I'm sure I'm sure there's a way I can do it. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so what we've just covered off there with a stop loss and a trailing sell are two ways to protect your downside on individual trades. Yeah. So you set a stop loss on the, the share or the ETF that you've bought, same with the trailing sell. So that, they're the good ways to protect that individual trade. But mm. you also there are also ways that you can protect your downside when you consider your portfolio as a whole. Yeah. And so there are three main ones uh, that I'll list and then we can go through them one by one. So the first one is um, shorting or you know, buying shorting equivalents. Yeah. Um, the second is buying counter-cyclical assets, and we'll explain mm-hmm. what that is in a sec. And then the third is just holding cash. Yeah. So the first one is shorting, and shorting is where you, you either use options, which you don't need to worry about too much, or you um, sell shares into the market with a promise to buy them later. But what you can also do is you, there are ETFs out there that are inversely correlated to the market. So that means every percentage the market goes down you, your ETF goes up you know that percentage mm. so you mm. make money as the market falls mm. so if you uh, want to protect your downside you think that the markets are getting closer to a top you can get an inverse ETF uh, and it will provide you some downside protection yeah so a good example of this is bear which I'm pretty sure we've discussed at some point in this show many times. And we even have it in our hypothetical portfolio that we did way back at the start of last year. And it is not leveraged, which we can discuss in a minute. And it's inversely correlated to the Australian equities. So, uh, you know, when, when the Australian equities goes up, bear goes down in price. Um, and when the Australian equities goes down, bear goes up in price. And so a strategy that you can use with these, Ren, is obviously you don't want to be 100% in these because it's not the best way. But a lot of people use these as a percentage of their portfolio uh, just to make sure that if the market does turn, then they're not going to be seeing red across their whole portfolio and they'll at least be making some sort of gain in these stocks should the market turn. Yeah, definitely. Now, the second one is counter-cyclical assets. Yeah. So, what a you know, uh, markets move in cycles. They they go up, they reach a top, they go down, they reach a bottom, they go up again. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are some asset classes that traditionally have moved against that normal equity mar- market cycle. So, when equity markets are going up, these assets are going down and vice versa. So... Similar to inverse ETFs, people put them as part of their portfolio to give them some protection um, if the market falls. Um, And then what they can also do is then sell them and buy really cheap equities when the market's at the bottom. Mm. So the the traditional counter-cyclical asset has been gold um, and also silver to a lesser extent. Mm. That gold's... Yeah, gold is is going through a bit of a funny period at the moment, but we can yeah. do a whole separate episode on that. Yeah. Another big counter-cyclical asset that people have theorized, but it hasn't been tested yet, is crypto and Bitcoin in particular. Yeah. But look, 
don't I, I wouldn't want to be the guinea pig on that one. Um, <laughs> no. I think you'd want especially to, with Bitcoin's price yeah. <laughs> movements lately. Jeez. I think you'd want to see a few market cycles before you before you were confident it was a counter cyclical asset. Yeah. And not just some crazy asset doing its own thing. Yeah. So just very briefly, a couple of ways that you can get access to these commodities is through ETFs. Um, you can buy ETFs that follow the price movement of gold or silver. And then there's other uh, a number of other um, financial products that uh, can give you access to gold and silver. But I, I would think that the easiest way is probably through an ETF for a beginner, Ren. Would you agree? Yeah, definitely. I um, That's how I've accessed gold. Yep. Um, I mean, look, if you... If you want to buy gold itself, get some gold bullion, then I yep. wouldn't hold buy it against a you. Buy and head out to Ballarat. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, you know, people buy gold coins and stuff like that. But yeah, definitely the easiest way is just in a gold ETF. Yeah. And again, you know, these are, this is a, a, a strategy that you can buy the ETF and just sit it there as a small percentage of your portfolio. Don't expect too much from it, but it's just there to know that if the market starts turning, then you're going to have something there that hopefully, if uh, trends continue the way they have historically, um, you know, you'll have something that makes you a bit of cash. So what's the third one? So the third one, speaking of making a bit of cash, is holding cash. So yeah. the best way to protect uh, protect yourself against risk is to have your wealth in cash, uh, but it's also the worst way to make any money. So. Yeah. It's uh, it's a balancing act. So this is me right now. What <laughs> everything hold, in cash? Holding cash. Yeah. <laughs> but the, eating eating away at me. The the way to think about uh your cash to investments balance, I guess, is as markets get higher and higher, and you are making you've made more and more money from your investments. Start taking some of that. Start taking some of those profits, and then when the market inevitably starts going down the other way, as markets always do, then you, that cash that you have, you can start putting it back into the market at, at low prices and let that cycle repeat. So you obviously, you know, as, as you're taking money out of these investments, you're, you're cut, you might be cutting your winners short and you might be taking money off the table. But uh, in terms of protecting yourself against risk and setting yourself up for the next big opportunity just slowly taking some cash back out as as the markets go up is always a good idea absolutely agree yeah don't be greedy and leave it all in there yeah but don't right, be stupid Ren. and take it all out as well true it's a true. balancing act true 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 <laughs> all right so that brings us to the end of this downside protection basics 101 yep. episode Yes. We've discussed a couple of ways that you can protect individual trades uh, yes. or individual investments. So that's a stop loss and a trailing sell. And then there are other ways that you can protect the, your downside as a whole in your whole portfolio. And mm-hmm. some of the ones we discussed were uh, inverse ETFs or ETFs that short the market, counter-cyclical assets like gold and potentially crypto, but potentially not crypto as well. Yeah, we don't know. <laughs> yeah, strike crypto. And then the third one was holding cash. So um, cash is obviously the safest way to uh, ensure you don't lose any money in your investments, mm-hmm. but it's also the safest way to ensure you don't make any money on investments. So um, yeah, it's mm-hmm. a balancing act. But as the markets get higher and higher, as you were saying, you know, you've gone to cash. It's definitely something um, a lot of people should consider. 
Yeah, absolutely. But man, it's tough staying. It's tough sitting here. I'll tell you what. Yeah, and we should <laughs> say you you would never you would never go to a hundred percent cash. No, no, you no. Know, that's would, a silly thing to do. You'd go from having no cash to or like having five percent cash to you know twenty percent, thirty percent. Yeah, I'm just pulling numbers out here but you know we talk about being a long-term investor and investing through the cycles and holding in the bad times and the good times and letting it grow over a long period of time and that that's probably one that we didn't talk about uh the the most important way to protect your downside is just not panic when something bad happens and just really hold for the long term yeah don't freak out and sell yeah yeah all right. No, good one, Ren. Well, All right. Mate, it's, well, uh, it's great to have you back in the country. Yeah, back good in to be action. Back in Feeling fresh. Yeah. Ready yeah. to go. Hope I hope going to Wall Street has inspired you for some uh, Equity Mates content. Yeah, well, I got a job. I'm out of here. Yeah, I'm quitting, yeah, nice. I'm quitting not... Equity Mates. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> All right, that's our final episode of Equity Mates. <laughs> yeah, no, it was good. Um, I'm looking forward to uh, giving you a few cool little tidbits on Wall Street. So we'll, we'll um, I'll get that together and we'll release it at some point in the coming weeks. Well, we've we told everyone at the start of this episode, Sunday the twenty fourth. They've already marked it in their calendars, so that that's the date we're working towards. <laughs> okay, <laughs> sounds good, bro. All right. All right. Well, uh, yeah, good to chat to you finally again. Um, bring on the second half of two thousand and eighteen. First half was pretty exciting for us, so hopefully we can double down and make it even better. So. Yeah. Let's do it. All right. Equity mates and the people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. This is general advice only. Please speak to a financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your individual situation. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.